Some Christians get into trouble because they forget the limits. They are perfectionist in nature. They are constantly chiding themselves from their lack of progress. After all these years, I'm so much further on than I am. And they do nothing but beat themselves up instead of moving forward. So remembering the limits will help you. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad you've joined us today. And Colin, we probably all know someone kind of like this. So what are those limits that are helpful? Well, we never become fully like Jesus Christ in this life. When we see him, then we will fully be like him. Now, in the Christian life, we're to grow in holiness. We're to grow in godliness, Christ-likeness. But we never get to the point where that process is complete in this life. There are always limits. There's always the conflict of the flesh and of the spirit. Very important for me to remember that because if I don't, I'll be beating myself up and I I won't make progress. Mm -hmm. So I need to have a vigorous aim to go after godliness and at the same time to recognize that there's no perfection this side of heaven. So Colin, it really sounds like you're saying we need to, you know, search ourselves when we do sin, confess that sin, but like you said, not beat ourselves up too much over that. Yeah, that's right. You know, this is like trying to walk a very narrow plank. You right. can fall off on either side. And some people fall off on the side of they're always beating themselves up. Mm-hmm. Others fall off on the side of no real aim to make progress at all. Now, we are to make progress, and not beating ourselves up is part of how to do it. All right. Well, we're going to see that further in today's message. I hope you'll open your Bible and join us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, as we continue the message blessed are the peacemakers. Here's Pastor Colin. Being a peacemaker, it has to begin with the cultivation of peace in your own heart, and that's a direct outcome of the pursuit of purity. The wisdom that comes from above is first pure, then it's peaceable. Now, out of peace that is growing and being cultivated within the heart of a growing and maturing believer, there is there the capacity to be a peacemaker, to bring what is growing within the heart and to bring it into the lives of others. And uh, most of us, and probably all of us, will be able to think of a relationship or relationships that did not end as we would have liked. We live in a fallen world in which, at our best, we are sinners in the process of recovery. Other Christians are in the same position. Sometimes we find ourselves, as David found with his own son, in a position where he was not able to make peace, and that Psalm 55 came out of that, just the agony. He could not make peace with his own son. And how do you live with that? It's a struggle that many and perhaps all of us at some point in life will, will face. You want to be a peacemaker in a fractured world. And by definition, it does not always happen. The world persecutes the Christian, so there's certainly no peace there. This entire series has been about, big word now, sanctification. Sanctification. 
What is sanctification? It is about how you grow as a Christian. It is about Christian growth. It's about Christian maturity and what that looks like. And sanctification is a journey in which every Christian makes progress, but no Christian completes this journey in this life. That's really important to get hold of. Justification is an event. It is a gift. You come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you cross over from darkness to life. You move from condemnation to no condemnation. Your sins are forgiven and you are in Christ. You're saved. But sanctification is a process. It is a journey. It is a journey by which, uh, by definition, every person who is a Christian is on this journey. If you're not on this journey, you're not a Christian. Every Christian is on this journey. Every Christian makes progress on this journey, but no Christian completes this journey. There's no Christian perfection in this life. Think about it. Purity of heart to will one thing. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. To meekly submit to the will of God. All of these are dimensions of our Christian growth, of our sanctification. Think about these Beatitudes as we've been learning them. Think about them as a group. The beginning of all these things is in the heart of every child of God. Do you not have some hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do you not desire to be one who wills one thing? And do you not seek to live for Christ above all else? Do you not mourn over your sins at least in some degree? The beginnings of these things are in every Christian. But the beginning and the completion are two different things. So whenever we look at the Beatitudes and we look at ourselves as in a mirror, we will always have two reactions. One is that we shall be thankful for the grace of God by which this journey is begun for us. And second, we will be greatly humbled by the degree of progress that we still have to make. Now, grasping this whole matter of sanctification is an issue that is troubling for many people. In fact, I've found over the years that there are more Christians who are troubled over the issue of sanctification than any other major Christian doctrine. Some lack uh, progress because they just don't see what they could become. They say, well, I'm forgiven and that's good and I'm going to heaven, but they don't really have any vision of growth or what they could become. Then there are others who have such a clear vision of what God is calling them to be that they feel crushed by their own lack of progress. And there is immense confusion and often discouragement in this whole area. And it is one in which we desperately need biblical, balanced thinking. And I want to share with you three words that I came across 20 years ago And they have helped me ever since. And I don't think I've ever shared this in a message before, but I think that it will be useful to you as a framework for thinking not only about this beatitude, but all of the beatitudes and indeed the whole doctrine of what it means to live the Christian life. Don't you want to know what comes next? Well, stay with us. We're going to get back to this message. Blessed are the peacemakers with Pastor Colin in just a moment. I want to tell you just briefly, though, about Pastor Colin's brand new book. It is called Six Hours That Changed the World. 
And it's a look at what Jesus did on the cross. You know, we're told in Scripture that God loves us. In fact, Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But here's the problem. A lot of people believe that Jesus died and rose, but don't feel like God loves them. And maybe you can identify with that. Maybe you know something about the cross. You know that Jesus suffered and died there, but it's not real obvious to you how this is love. That's what Pastor Cullen is addressing in his book, Six Hours That Changed the World. And we would love to send you a copy as our way of saying thank you for your financial support this month. Find out more or give online at openthebible.org or call us at 877-OPEN-365. Again, our website is openthebible.org and our phone number is 877-673-6365. All right, back to the message. Here is Pastor Colin. Many years ago, I found a little book by Bishop Hanley Mool. It was in a lecture in London years ago where John Stott quoted from this man, and the quotations um, were so uh, helpful that I tracked down the book. It's called Thoughts on Christian Sanctity. That is not the most exciting title in the world, is it? (laughs) By the way, in the 19th century, people read books primarily because they felt there was something to be gained from the author. They did not rely on fancy titles and jazzy covers. And let me just say this as an aside. Always remember this in choosing what you read, because you invest a lot of time in reading a book. Who you read is far more important than what you read. Choose who you read. Choose books by authors, not by titles. Choose books that, you're going to, that are going to be shaping for your life by the fact that you know enough about the author to know that this is a person who is radically committed to Jesus Christ and is pursuing godliness, and therefore something of that may drip out through the writing into your own soul. Choose by who, not by what. So that's just a little aside, but someone said that to me years ago, and it has helped me immensely, saved me hundreds of hours of wasted time. Now, The first chapter of Mool's book has these three little words that have been so helpful. Right off the bat, it's just a little book. You can download it on Google, by the way, if you want to. There'll be a sudden rush and demand on on, on that one, perhaps. Um, uh, But uh, it's, it's all free. It's great. First chapter, aims, limits, and possibilities. Now, these three words have helped me immensely to understand the Christian life. Aims, limits, and possibilities. Under aims, he says, it is nothing less than the supreme aim of the Christian gospel that we should be holy. In particular, he identifies these aims for every Christian, to be like Christ, whom having not seen, we love, to displace self from the throne and to enthrone him. To make not the smallest compromise with the slightest sin. Isn't that a great phrase? Oh, God, by your grace, that's what I want to do this week. I want to make not the smallest compromise with the slightest sin. Quote, we aim at nothing else 
than to walk with God all day long and to abide every hour in Jesus Christ to love God with all of our heart and our neighbor as ourselves. That's the aim, and that's the aim of every Christian. And if you're a Christian, your heart will resonate with that, and you'll say, amen, that's my aim. That's what I want for my life. Then he goes to limits. And he says this, I quote, I mean, of course, not limits in our aims, for there must be none, nor limits in divine grace itself, for there are none, but limits, however caused, in the actual attainments by us of Christian holiness. Then this, there will be limits to the last and very humbling limits. To the last, it will be a sinner who walks with God. Now, as you think about this series of the Beatitudes, there will be limits in what you attain in relation to every one of these Beatitudes. What you actually attain in terms of purity of heart, willing one thing, what you actually attain in terms of meekly submitting to all of the will of God, what you actually attain in terms of hungering and thirsting after righteousness and mourning over your sins. And there will be limits to what you actually attain when it comes to peacemaking. Peace is never complete in this life. The world will persecute you, will hate you. It will say all kinds of evil things against you. There won't be peace there. And even within the Christian family, Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 is a profoundly helpful verse. Write that one down uh, for future reference. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, Paul says, if possible, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And the nature of peacemaking is that more than one party is involved. And there may be situations quite clearly from what Paul is saying in the book of Romans where it's just not possible. David found that in regards to his own son, Absalom. But if possible, he says, and in as far as it depends on you, look at your own part in this, he says. And as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Aims, limits, and then Hanley Moole says this, we've got to think about possibilities. And under possibilities, he says this, it is possible by God's grace to live at peace in the midst of pressure. It is possible to have affections, that's your love, and imaginations purified through faith. It is possible to see the will of God in everything. And then I love this phrase. He says, not with a sigh, but with a song. And I think I know what it is sometimes with uncomfortable things in my life to say, well, I guess it's the will of God and I'll accept it. That's the will of God with a sigh. And then I think about Paul and Silas and they're in the prison. And that's the will of God for them. And what are they doing? They're singing. They're finding joy that the hand of God is upon them. We had a funeral service here. It was a celebration service just this week. I was so privileged to be part of it for Annette Anderson, who over these last months um, knew the decline of her strength, died of cancer. 
and the radiance of her testimony and the brightness of her face, submitting to the will of God, not with a sigh, but with a song. My wife visited her on Wednesday of last week. Her last words to Karen were, I'll be home by tomorrow. That's submitting to the will of God with a song. Now, says Hanley Mool, there are aims, there are limits, there are also possibilities. And if you can grasp these three words and frame out their application in your life, you'll be a long way to grasping a biblical framework of what the Christian life is all about. See, every Christian is united with regards to the aim. If you don't get the aim, then you're probably not yet a Christian because the Holy Spirit just says within the heart of every believer, yeah, to walk with Christ and to love you. That's what I want. Maybe far from it, but that's my aim. Here's where we get into difficulties. Some Christians get into trouble because they forget the limits. They are perfectionist in nature. They are constantly chiding themselves from their lack of progress. After all these years, I should be so much further on than I am. And they do nothing but beat themselves up instead of moving forward. So remembering the limits will help you. Otherwise, you get caught like a deer in the headlights. But others are hindered because they don't see the possibilities. They've kind of given up any real hope. They've believed that Christ can forgive them, but they've not really grasped what God can do for them. They find it very difficult to even picture a better self. And so they constantly speak about, well, I have to come to terms with who I am. And of course, I'll never be very different. And there's a sadness about them because they don't really have much hope of being different or of making progress in Christ. They need to see the possibilities. Aims, limits, possibilities. Here's what you need for a balanced biblical approach to sanctification to the Christian life. Three phrases, embrace the aim, recognize the limits, and go after the possibilities. There's the Christian life. Embrace the aim. Recognize the limits. You will never be all that you would like to be in terms of your actual attainment until you're with Christ in heaven. When we see him, we'll be like him. Embrace the aim, recognize the limits, but go after the possibilities with all that is within you. And all of that has brought to my mind again a prayer of Robert Murray McShane that I've often used in the past and not so much recently, and I'm so glad it's come back to my mind. Robert Murray McShane framed this brilliant prayer, so helpful, because it gets sanctification. He said, oh God, Make me as holy as it is possible for a pardoned sinner to be. Now, do you see, you see the possibilities there? You see the aim there? Do you see the limits there? He's got it. Make me as holy, O oh God, as it is possible for a pardoned sinner to be. You keep a journal, write that one into your prayer book and use it. I'm going to start using it again. Lord, make me as holy as it is possible for a pardoned sinner to be. Aims, limits, possibilities. What it means to be a peacemaker. Then just this, why are peacemakers called sons of God? 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Answer, because God himself is the God of peace. Beautifully, beautifully described in that way in the scriptures. Think of what that means with who God is, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, one in love, one in purpose, no tension within the Godhead. God of peace. And Christ comes into the world as the Prince of Peace. He comes in to make peace. Ephesians says he is our peace. He does it by shedding his blood on the cross. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Peace. Remember, he comes upon the Lord Jesus at his baptism. And how is he manifested? How is he seen? He's seen as a dove. Everyone knows what that means. The Spirit of Peace. The greatest revelation of the glory of God is made at the cross where his love and his justice meet. And why are his love and his justice meeting? Because in this he is making peace through the shedding of his blood on the cross. So Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. What does that mean? It simply means that when you do something that is making peace, a recognizable reflection of the supreme glory of God is manifested in you. And even if the world does not recognize it, the angels would say, how like the Father is that Son? How like the Father is that daughter? Making peace. That's what God himself does. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And with that, we wrap up today's message. It's called Blessed are the Peacemakers, part of our series Momentum, all about how we make progress in the Christian life. And uh, I don't know about you, but I found that so helpful to look at God's way of making peace. Don't stand on your rights. Move toward the trouble. Love before you're loved. Well, maybe you want to go back and listen to this message again. You can do that by coming to our website. It's openthebible.org. You can stream each broadcast for free. You could also download that and listen later. You could also listen on the go if you have the Open the Bible app, which is also free, and you're going to find that at your app store. Simply look for Open the Bible. Well, Open the Bible is listener-supported. We depend on your generosity to keep Pastor Collins' teaching on this station. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thank you by sending you Pastor Collins' brand new book. It is called Six Hours That Changed the World. And Colin, for the person who reads this book, what are you hoping that they'll get out of it? Oh, well, I think the first thing is to see at a deeper level just how much God really loves you. I mean, the Bible makes this very, very clear. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's what this book is about. Six hours that changed the world are the six hours that Jesus suffered hanging on the cross, and it explains what he accomplished there for us. And, you know, here's the problem. 
there are many people who believe that Jesus died and rose, but they don't really feel that God loves them. And maybe you can relate to that. You you know about the cross, you know that Jesus suffered and that he died, but it's not very obvious to you how this is love. I mean, how is this God really loving me? Well, I want you to see the love of Christ in the cross and to see that this love really is for you. For you to be able to say, no one has ever loved me like this, and no one ever will love me like this. Jesus loves me, and in the cross, I see the full extent of God's love. Well, Pastor Collins' newest book is called Six Hours That Changed the World. It is our thank you gift to you as you financially support Open the Bible this month. You can call us at 877-OPEN-365. That's one 673 6365 or you can find out more or give online our website is openthebible.org that's openthebible.org well thanks for listening today for Pastor Colin Smith I'm Steve Hiller I hope you'll join us next time this program is a listener supported production of Open the Bible what can you actually do to promote peace what does peacemaking look like in practice Find out next time on Open the Bible.